is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Yep, I'm still here. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That is us. As always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at so says J. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network is available on all podcasting platforms and on brightsideofthesun.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Okay. The Suns. Okay. The Suns. Two and one coming out of the All-Star break. We'll, we'll run through a little bit of the Bulls game, maybe. A little bit more of the Jazz game. And None I'm, of the Raptors game. <laughs> what, what Raptors game? Well, they are two and one. I don't remember that one, though. It just it's It, it escapes my recollection. But I'm then going to delve into a little theory slash, well, I guess theory I have, as to exactly how the Suns can find themselves in the playoffs this year. Playoffs? And We're talking playoffs? I kind of said it like that. I didn't even mean to. But first things first. Obey your thirst? <sighs> Sprites. Drink Sprite. Okay. There are probably like seven people out there that get that because we're old. But anyway, Bulls game. We don't really need to get into it a whole lot, I don't think. It's now, we're now a few days removed from it. Um, The Suns managed to play what ultimately was a horrific half of basketball followed by a very solid basketball. I'll call it solid. I'll call it solid. I mean, anytime you come back from a 17-point deficit, yeah. regardless of who you're playing or who they have injured, you're still in an NBA game on the road on the second end of a back-to-back, and coming back and winning that game was, uh, was well, it was really big because that could have been kind of one of those games, especially in the past, where there's no way the Suns come back from that. Well, yeah, and it wasn't even just that they came back and won it. They came back and won it handily. Right. I mean, they won by eight. Right, exactly. So that's a 25-point swing. Exactly, and and I think the one thing that a lot of people took out took away from that game, both on the negative and the positive side, is is was, was the two faces of DeAndre Ayton we saw in that game. I mean, mm-hmm. what, he had six or seven turnovers in the first half? Six, I believe. Yeah, he had concrete hands. And And four of them came within a span of about two minutes. Um, at the beginning of the second quarter. Very impressive sequence. Right. Um, impressive, depressing, whichever one you want to call it. Uh, and, and obviously he bounced back in the second half, had a dominant second half and really, you know, led, led the Suns, uh, in that game. I mean, you had brought up at some point this season, Paul, uh, the idea of when is DeAndre never really taken over a game. Right. And I, as I was watching that, that comment came to mind because I was like, here it is. You know, he is taking over this game. He's doing what he wants. He had, I believe, nine offensive rebounds in the second half alone uh, and 10, 10 in all. And, and that's the kind of performance you want to see out of him. And when you go into Chicago against a team that was, was scuffling and continues to scuffle and was hit by injuries, that's a win that the Suns, regardless of what they're looking at in terms of playoffs or anything else that's a that's a game the Suns absolutely needed um, particularly when you're coming off of the loss to the Raptors which I'm now slowly starting to remember right I mean when we because it was it was last it was last week 
uh, when we ran through the upcoming, basically the end of the season, mm-hmm. and you know projected our record, and that projected record was the assumption that we're going to beat all the teams we're supposed to beat. Right. The Bulls are clearly in that category. Sure. And, but that's also been a struggle the Suns have had this season is like laying eggs against bad teams. Yeah, like, they 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 have done that. Um, and then on the flip side of it, they've played phenomenal games against good teams. And what a perfect segue that was because they played one of those phenomenal games, perhaps, and we'll discuss this. Perhaps their most phenomenal game of the year against the Jazz just two nights later. That was what, yeah. Saturday, yeah, Monday? It was, yeah, it was three and four. So they go into Utah where Devin Booker, well, Devin Booker was, what, 1-15 against the Jazz career. over his career? Yeah. Um, I don't know offhand the last time they won in Utah, but I'm it, it was, sure it was It not, was like 15 it was, games it was, or something. It, it was, was more than six, 15, 15 games lo- ago. <laughs> it was a long time. Um, and they, it was 15 games in Utah, so that was like... 30 games. I think that's too much. That can't be right. You played two and two. But he hasn't played 15 games in Utah yet in his career. No, I'm just saying the Suns oh, my bad. hadn't won in Utah in like 15 games. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So so they went into Utah and trounced, just trounced the Jazz. I mean, they beat them by 20, while at the same time losing the free throw battle by, I think, 24. Four, at least free throw attempts, but they still pull out with a you know pull out with a twenty point victory. Um, that is one of those games, like I said, where they they played a playoff team and just ran them out of the gym. And and granted, the Jazz have been scuffling as of late. And I had brought that up, I think, before the game to you and Dan when we were texting, right. saying this could be interesting. And I meant that in a I think the Suns can win this game, but I didn't want to say it for obvious reasons. Much like when I got home from work and I was watching that game and they started playing well, I decided that I had to remain in my work clothes until the end of the game <laughs> in order to not jinx the game. There were definitely periods of that game where I was not watching because every time I turned the game on, the other team went on a on a run. There and I'm go. like, okay. There you go. And, <laughs> and, you know, they were down eight, I believe it was, in the first half. Came back and, and again, in the third quarter in particular, really, really flipped the script on the Jazz and, and were able to run away with that game. Now, the one thing that stuck out to me in particular during that Jazz game is that the Suns did it without really having anybody play incredibly well. And in fact, had a lot of their key guys in foul trouble and the bench came up huge. Yeah, that... Well, that's incredibly well for the bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, and, and I think the guy that sticks out to me the most from the bench unit that particular game was Dario Saric. Well, yeah, he was and, perfect. And we've talked about how Dario, while he might not be a guy that fills up the stat sheet, he's hugely important to this team. And that game was a prime example. I mean, he only played 16 minutes, but he had 14 points on, like you said, perfect shooting, 5 for 5 overall, 2 for 2 from 3, 2 for 2 from the line chipped in three rebounds and a couple of assists and was plus 15 in those 16 minutes. And yeah. that that kind of harkens back to, and I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying it, how important it is for the Suns to have health along their front line. 
because like we've talked about and like everyone knows, injuries happen in the NBA, but when you have all the injuries happen at the same time to guys who all kind of fill a role where you interchange them, that's going to be detrimental to the team. And prior to the All-Star break, the Suns had played 12 games with all Baines, Saric, and Aiton available and were 7-5. and five. You do the math, they're now 9-6 and six with those three guys available all, all in the same game. And hopefully they're going to remain that way, uh, being healthy. Not bringing up Kelly Oubre right now, because who knows what's going on there. But hopefully those three guys remain healthy. And, and in fact, it's one of those things where, and I say Kelly Oubre, you think about, okay, Kelly Oubre's out for the game against the Clips. Right. That sucks. But at the same time, we've got pieces. At least we have other guys that are now healthy, and it's not right, just yeah. compounding the the difficulties that, that these types yeah, of injuries Sar- create. Sarge can de- definitely slide into that other starter spot pretty easily. I mean, it does deplete the bench a little bit more. It would have been nice to um, have uh, given uh, Jonah Bolden that second 10-day. Uh, I mean, it's <sighs> not like they still can't, but, um, you know, he played in – the one game where he actually got a decent amount of time, he played pretty well. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know what the Suns are trying to do with that spot, that extra, that last mm-hmm. roster spot. But they clearly could use at least one more body who could potentially be productive. Right, right, right. Um, and, you know, the, the, other thing about the Jazz game, too, I mean, like I said, there weren't a lot of standout performances. Well, Ricky Rubio, I shouldn't say that. Ricky, yeah. Ricky Rubio played phenomenal that game. But when you look at the guys you expect to have the standout performances, Devin Booker, solid game, sure, 24 points, 10 assists, but it wasn't one of those games where you sit there and be like, Book's taking over, Book's right. going crazy. DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble the entire time, only played 21 minutes, still was efficient as always eight for nine from the field and had 16 points only five rebounds but the beautiful thing was it didn't matter yeah they still blew out the jazz they still blew out a playoff team which then leads me to the question paul yes of three games really this year stick out in my mind and i think probably in a lot of suns fans minds and those games would be this recent game against the jazz mm. the 36 point shellacking we put on houston a couple weeks ago and the 29-point shellacking we put on Dallas in Dallas, what, a month ago, give or take. Right. Of those three games, do you think the Jazz game was the best game that the Suns have played this year? Or would you pick one of those other two games as the high point, I'll call it, of the Suns' season so far? Well, I, I mean, all three. weirdly, all three of those teams have a connection to the Suns. Whether it's you know the the Rockets have former coach, um, and former players, and former players, but I mean really, but I mean like most of the former the former players were you know role players for the most part. Um, and then you have Dallas, where clearly the um, Luka Doncic situation mm-hmm. is going to loom over the Suns for a long time. Um, hopefully less so as Aiden is continuing to improve. I frankly don't even know what you're talking about. But, th- you know, that's that those two guys are going to be intertwined for the rest of their careers. Sure. And games where those guys are playing against each other are going to have an added level of importance. Like, 
unnecessary, stupid importance, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, obviously with Utah, you got the whole Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell thing, which I don't think they care about, but apparently all of Jazz, uh, Suns and Jazz Twitter care about it. I think the Jazz fans <laughs> care more than the Suns fans because the Suns fans are clearly in the right in that situation. We don't care as much as we're just trying to educate. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Yeah, it's like, it's that big brother, little brother thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, our guy's better. You can keep you can keep saying, oh, he goes to the playoffs. All I know is Donovan Mitchell put up a bunch of empty stats the other night. That's all I know. All right? Am right. I wrong? I'm not wrong. So you didn't answer my question. Which one? Um, I, I, would, I would say, honestly, I would say the Dallas game. Okay. Just because of the pressure that, like, the Suns as a team have, and even particularly Aiton, um, from the standpoint of you were picked, you the Suns picked and Aiton was picked over this guy who is arguably becoming one of the new faces of the league. Mm-hmm. If, you know, he's, and, you know, passing up on that puts a lot of pressure on the team and, you know, and Aiton to you know, succeed and particularly to show in that moment against that team, oh, you know, no, you, we didn't make the wrong decision. So from that, from that standpoint, I think that was like kind of the most important win. Yeah, and just to rehash, at least briefly, that Dallas game, Aiton, Aiton was a bully in that game. 31 points, 13 for 15 from the field. Didn't do his usual high level of rebounding, but didn't really have to because the sun shot nearly 60% that game. Luca, that game was 21 points, six rebounds, two assists. Definitely not, you know, Luca standards as we've become used to seeing so far in his young career. Um, Booker also had a good game that game, you know, 32 points per usual for Booker, nine assists, six rebounds. Uh, and. Oh, yeah, 32, 9, and 6 lines just huge. Well, hey, you know what? That's the kind of stuff, like, that's that's a great line, but with Booker, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, that, that doesn't blow me out of the water with Booker Yeah, I mean, anymore. it doesn't blow me out of the water. It's, I mean, yeah, when he puts that up, it's like, yeah, that's easy for yeah, him. Yeah, you know, it's 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 It's, it's almost, not as average, but, I mean, I'm not surprised. Exactly, it. exactly. It's almost, almost expected. <laughs> almost. Um, you know, I, I, and I get the importance of that jazz game. I, I see why you would think that I certainly don't fault anybody for thinking that, but to me, I think it was the, did I just say jazz game or I say Mavs game? Anyway, I meant the Mavs game, whatever it was I said, but for me, it's the jazz game. I think the jazz game so far is the most impressive game for the Suns that I've seen this year. And it goes back to what I talked about earlier. And that is they played truly as a team. You didn't need anybody to really stand out. Again, Rubio had a great game, but nobody really jumped out. <clears throat> Booker didn't hit 30 points. Aiton didn't even get 20 points. But you had players filling in in the spots that they needed to to succeed, like Dario Saric, like Cam Johnson putting any time, like Aaron Baines finally hitting a three. I feel like I haven't seen him hit a three in forever. Um, Javon Carter even played well. And, and maybe it's in part... Monty talked about how he was having trouble with his rotations now that he has Baines, 
Saric and Aiton available. You know, he said, I think it was the Toronto game, you know, he said his, his rotations were less than impressive. Yeah, he needs to prove he's, on he's, he's not used to having that many players available. Right, and and hopefully the uh, the the Jazz game is a sign of him finally getting his arms wrapped around you know those those bench minutes in particular, and it's a great game for him to pull it all together as well because he had to he had to come through there because of that foul trouble. I mean, mm. Aiden picked up his fourth foul I think two minutes into the third quarter. Yeah. So he absolutely needed to make sure he made the right moves there, and he did. And it certainly helps when the Suns, who obviously, I believe the Suns are still last in the league in three-point attempts per game, but when you hit 12 of the 20 you take, you don't need to take a whole lot. <laughs> that's, that's more than efficient. And the team as a whole, the, the, the defensive energy they showed too, forcing 13 turnovers. Rubio had seven steals. I mean, just all around, like I said... <laughs> impressive across the board and i think that's the sign of a good team right i mean i think i just i discount it a little bit just because the jazz have been struggling Mm -hmm. so it's like yes they are a solidly set as a playoff team barring some type of catastrophic meltdown um so from I mean so it's still a good win but you look at their last like week or so like last handful of games it has not been pretty so it's not like the Suns caught the Jazz at their best and still beat the crap out of them right and and the Jazz were going to that game they were four and seven in their last eleven now that said you have to keep in mind that those four wins came four in a row against the Blazers at the Rockets at the Mavs and against the Heat. Mm-hmm. So those are still wins against really good teams. Um, you know, and, and the losses were against good teams. They lost to the Nuggets twice in that span. They lost to the Blazers. They lost to the Spurs. They lost to the Rockets. Um, or they lost to the Rockets twice. They played the Rockets three times in a very short period of time. But anyway, <coughs> um, so I get that, um, and that was in part why I said, hmm, this is an interesting game, this could get interesting, because the Jazz had been struggling, but at the same time, they were also still then 20-7 and seven at home. It's tough to go up there, Utah, and win, um, and, and the Suns did it, and again, for that reason, and because we really had a full team effort, uh, I take that as the most impressive win so far of this Suns season, and hopefully we'll see uh, you know one or two more that'll rival it, and um, we'll get into that here after we take a quick break. At this point in the season, the Suns are sitting, I believe, five and a half games out of the last playoff spot in the West as we sit here right now. Am I right, Paul? Does that sound right? I think so. In that ballpark. I know it's five in the loss column, so we'll just call it five and a half there. I think that's correct. I believe a lot of people have basically decided, okay, you know, Suns have improved. The Suns are going to, at the end of the year, be one of the most improved teams in terms of Four and added win four and a half four and a half my bad they're going to be one of the most improved teams in terms of w- wins over the last exactly like the increased added wins. wins from last season um in the league at the end of the year as long as they continue to play decently and you know don't just completely for the rest of the season that said 
I think most Suns fans have relegated themselves to the fact that the Suns are not going to be in the playoffs this year. I put some thought into that over the last day or so, and I'm, I think I've convinced myself that the Suns have a much better shot of making the playoffs than we believe. We are the podcast of optimism. We are the podcast of optimism, and I carry that torch with pride. Now, I say that with the understanding that right now they have a 2% chance, according to most, most, uh, most uh, you know, stat sites out there give or take, mm-hmm. right? Now, let me hearken you back, my friend, my fellow Philip Rivers fan, I'll call it, uh, right. since, since the, 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 the Chargers loyalty is being questioned at this point. I want to hearken you back to the year 2008. Okay. After 12 games of the NFL regular season, the San Diego Chargers, the then San Diego Chargers, were sitting at 4-8. and eight. They were three games out of the division lead, which was being held at the time by the Broncos, who were seven and five mm. with four games to play. At that point in time, they had a slightly better chance of making the playoffs than the, than the Cardinals. Cardinals. Wow. I'm all over than the Suns do right now. Cause they had, I believe it was like a 3.8% chance. Okay. The Chargers went on to win the last four games of the year. The Broncos went on to either, they either lost all the rest of their games or finished tied with the Chargers eight and eight Chargers made the playoffs. And if I'm not mistaken, beat Indy in the first round that year, even. So, well, improbable, it happened. And I, I'm, I'm taking a similar outlook when it comes to the Suns here this year. Now, and I'm going to keep saying this. I've said it before. I've said it already on this podcast. I'll say it probably in multiple podcasts after this. But I can't underscore the importance of having Aiden Baines and Sarge all available. Again, this team right now, with those guys and the games that they've been available to go this year are nine and six. I'd say 60, six, 600 winning percentage, right? Okay. Um, do you know how many playoff teams the Suns have beaten this year, Paul? Two? Nine. They've beaten nine playoff teams this year. Of their okay. 24 wins, nine of them have been against playoff teams. Those playoff teams are um, the Clippers, Memphis, Philly, the Nets, still in the playoffs right now. The Magic, still in the playoffs right now. Boston, Dallas, Houston, and Utah. Okay? Have they beaten any of them more than once? Um, they have uh, not, because I rallied off nine right there. But I will, to that point, look at the close losses the Suns have had. The Suns in three-point games this year are two and seven. Yeah. Two of those losses were to Denver. Mm-hmm. One was to Utah. One was to Portland. Two were to the Spurs. And one was to the Pelicans. Okay. I'll note that in none of those games did the Suns have the triumvirate of mm-hmm. Aiton, Baines, and Sarge, right? Okay. Um, the games that they have won with that triumvirate, okay. I'm going to start calling them the triumvirate. I like that. I'm saying that, right? Triumvirate? Triumvirate? Okay. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, of those nine playoff teams that they've beaten, those three guys have been all available in four of those games. Okay. Now, the first thing that really piqued my interest when it comes to the Suns possibly making a playoff run here is the fact that, and it's unfortunate, but that Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for at least two weeks right now for Memphis. If they say he's out for at least two weeks and going to be reevaluated in two weeks with a sprained knee, I'm going to assume he's going to be out out for a month, month, at least three weeks, right? Mm. And Memphis 
for the rest of the season, has the hardest schedule in the NBA. Uh, did, did, I see, did I see Brandon Clark's out, too? Um, I don't know. I think I saw that. I think if he went he, down tonight. If he is, then that just, that just makes me think this even more. I, I, while there is this distance between the Suns and Memphis right now, I, I don't think Memphis is going to be in the eighth spot at the end of the year. I just don't. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a huge part of their offense. He's their second leading scorer. Um, and if Clark is, in fact, going to be out for some time as well, that just makes that all the more difficult for them. Okay? So what we're looking at now is the Suns really being grouped in this, this, this bunch with Portland, New Orleans, and San Antonio. Right now, Portland's two games up on the Suns. New Orleans, they're playing right now. But as we sit here, are one and a half games up on the Suns. Did they win? Is that game over? Uh, they did. They yes. won. They beat the Lakers? No. Oh, the no. Lakers won. Lakers so won. now the Suns are one game behind New Orleans, and the Suns are one game behind San Antonio. Now, I looked back to how these teams have been playing as of late. And when I say as of late, I mean over the last couple of months. Portland's 12-12. and 12. New Orleans has been playing very well. New mm. Orleans is the team I'm most concerned about out of that group. Yeah, because <laughs> Zion is everything. Right. So... 14 and 9 New Orleans is since the turn of the year and San Antonio is 10 and 14 going in the wrong direction since the turn of the year. Um, Portland and San Antonio have just kind of been treading water it seems like all season. Mm-hmm. They haven't really peaked, they haven't really valleyed, they've just been there. Right. Now, if we extrapolate out those rates that those teams are playing at okay. for the rest of the year, that would put Portland at 38 wins, New Orleans at 39 wins, and San Antonio at 35 wins. Okay. The Suns are at 24 wins right now. Yes? Yes. We have two games left against Portland and one game left against New Orleans. Let's just say the Suns steal, we'll call it one of those games against um, um, Portland, right? Okay. Let's just say the Suns beat New Orleans. Would you consider it a steal if they beat... Steal is probably not the right word. Yeah, they're... Let's say they win one of those games. They don't split them. I think they're very capable of beating them twice. But if we look back to what we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. I think we both said split split Portland, Yeah, I I said that. I mean, I didn't didn't think of it as a stealing a game from Portland. It's we're... About the same. About the same, so, so flip a coin. Fair enough. Now, the Suns, like I said, are... Well, I actually, I don't think I said this yet. But since the turn of the year, the Suns are 11-14. But I'm okay. not really concerned about that because this goes back to the triumvirate. Mm-hmm. Let's say the Suns play at the level they've played when they've had those guys available uh-huh. at a 600-winning clip, right? Mm-hmm. That would put the Suns at 38 wins on the season. Okay. If they beat New Orleans in that game, mm-hmm. take New Orleans' win total again, extrapolating out what they've done yeah. since the turn of the year from 39 to 38, that would also give the Suns a two-to-one edge on New Orleans in the season series, mm-hmm. which would put the Suns at 38, New Orleans at 38, with Portland at 37, and San Antonio at 35 with the tiebreak, which means... <laughs> the Suns get the right to be shellacked by the Lakers. <laughs> the Suns make the playoffs, Paul. <laughs> the Suns make the playoffs. And I've said this before. I don't know if I said on the pod. Hey, Lakers, first round, bring it. Doesn't worry me. Not even a little bit. Okay, maybe a little bit. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. 
And, and, you know, this all kind of started with me thinking about what we talked about last week. Right. You had said 11 more wins at the point the Suns were at 22 wins. Mm-hmm. I had said 13 more wins at the point the Suns were at 22 wins, yeah. which would have gotten the 35. Now they've stolen one. I'll, yes. I'll call Utah stealing one. Oh, yeah, it was definitely so a steal. Put us up to 36. And then you add in those, those you, you add in this New Orleans game. Uh huh. Puts us to 37, and, well, that leaves 37, so we'll go back to the winning percentage thing. Yeah. But anyway, point not, being— not, not, not splitting with, at, with Portland. As we, look, as we look at this homestand in particular that, they're, that, they're, that we're walking into, mm-hmm. most important six-game stretch of the season. I think the Clips game right now is the, the most important game tough. the Suns have had all year. The Clips game is going to be tough, especially without Oubre. Without Oubre. Quite possibly the most important game the Suns have played in the past seven years. <laughs> so, Paul. Yeah. Call me crazy. You're crazy. Go on. Why am I crazy? Crazy like a fox? Crazy like a fox. <laughs> Just crazy enough to be right? <laughs> I mean, the logic's there. Am I wrong? I mean, I, do, I don't not see it. I mean, as a possibility. I mean, it's all a possibility. I, yeah, I mean, the Suns aren't out of... Anything. The fight, yeah. I mean, they're four and a half games out of the eighth spot. That's, and you said how many games are left? 22, 23? They, right now, they have uh, 25 games left. Okay. Well, so, it, it'd take the Suns playing at that 600 pace. 24, sorry. Pace that you were talking about for the rest of the season and some luck on some of those other other teams faltering. I mean, well, no, not I, necessarily. Those other teams would have to play at the play, pace that they've played since the turn of the year. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, like, like I said, I, I, I thought, hey, maybe I'll go through and I'll look at the other schedules and see what they're going to want. You know what? That sounds way too complicated for me. Let's make it easy and just use some use some math here. Right. I mean, this, it's assumptions, but point being, while the Suns on paper right now might have a 2% chance, I think there's more than a 2% chance that that type of scenario plays out. Okay. I, I, I'm just, uh, again, strictly numbers. Yeah. Well, I mean... I, okay. feel like you, I feel like you disagree with me, but can't figure out why you disagree with me. No, it's Because not, it's airtight logic. Because, <laughs> unfortunately, I still expect... The Suns to, you know, lay an egg here or there and lose to a team that they should beat. And then it just kind of, like, th- this is predicated on they will beat every team that they are supposed to beat, and they're going to steal a couple games. No, it's not. Based on the numbers that I came up with last week, I mean, if we're using those numbers, mm-hmm. it's predicated on they've already stolen one. Yeah. And we're adding New Orleans to another game. So, right. So but, you still want, but it's and, still holding court for every team they're supposed to beat. Right, but then you're assuming that they don't beat a team that they're quote-unquote not supposed to beat. I, like they're, they're still I play Houston. They, They've beaten Houston by 36 yes. points this year. You can't tell me that's an automatic loss. I mean, I, I, this team I'm doesn't have either this team things. doesn't have any automatic losses anymore. There's no such thing as an automatic win, sure. But I think that the Suns are very capable of playing at the clip that they've been playing. They've shown it when they have enough bodies, enough of their capable players available. And like, like we've said before, and 
Gambo has said this. James Jones has said this. The team as it's structured, the team as it's made up, is the team that is capable of making the playoffs. Right. They just need to have at least most of those guys available, right. which hasn't been the case this year. And you know what? If Ubre is out for an extended period of time, that changes things. Right. Yeah, of course it does. But it, but it does. doesn't change things. I don't think as much as being without, say, a combination of Baines and Sarge. Right. Because I think as, as long as we have the people, I mean, Cam Johnson has shown that he's a capable player and capable of filling in spots. He, while he not might not put up big numbers, don't forget the guy has scored 18 points a couple times this year, and he's been playing with a lot more confidence this season. And man, can that guy shoot? Um, yeah. Mikael Bridges has improved throughout this entire year. So when it comes to that 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 wing position, mm-hmm. I feel better about them filling the spot than I do if we're turning straight from DeAndre Ayton to Shek Diallo. I mean, we've got the best starting lineup in the league. Right. 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 Maybe they should just play, like, the starters 43 minutes. minutes. 43. Give them a little bit minutes. of a break. Play D'Antoni style. Maybe, Nobody gets a rest. You know, give, give, them, give them three minutes before halftime and two minutes coming out of the half just so they get an extended break right there, you know, with the halftime, and then just let them rip. Have them go at it. I see no fault in that. I, I just, I want to see... In this load management era of basketball, I see no fault in that. You know what? Forget load management. I want, I want to go back to, I want to go back to baseball when pitchers threw 200 pitches a game. Let's just, let's go all out and let's just... Go back, go back to seven seconds or less Suns where the rotation was seven guys right. for the whole season. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. At, at one point it was six. It was the starters and Jim Jackson. J- your, your friend James Jackson, yes, as James we learned. Yes, you know, what I want to see, I, I just want to, I want to get to the point this year where we're looking at, okay, New Orleans, mm-hmm. that game is the fourth to last game of the year. Yeah. I want that game to mean something. And maybe that's where this all comes from. I just want the rest of the season, as much of it, of it as I can, to mean something. Mm-hmm. But like I said, maybe I'm crazy. If I'm crazy, I'm crazy. But it feels good to be crazy because, again, I don't think it's an outlandish thought process. I'll leave it at that. Perfect. All right. Well, let's wrap up. Yeah? Yeah. Suns are making the playoffs? Perfect. Paul Perfect. agrees. Paul agrees with me. Paul agrees with me. He just doesn't want to admit I paused. it. Just wait. Too, too, just wait. too long. Just wait. Just wait. All right. So we'll wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames. We appreciate you guys listening, as always. And um, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at SosasJ. Holler at me. Call me crazy. And I'll probably not respond because I... No, you'll respond. Uh, <laughs> I'll respond kindly, I hope. Um, hey, I'm, hey, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice Off guy. Off Twitter. Just a little obnoxious <laughs> sometimes, that's all. Aren't we all a little obnoxious sometimes? Yeah. Anyway, at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And Justin. the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. You can find the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network at brightsideofthesun.com and on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And depending on when you're listening... Thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Just want to hear-